you should have gotten the handout. We're talking about what happens when we pray. And we've been focusing on uh, the words of our mouth and the content of our heart. Everybody say the words of my mouth and the content of my heart. Don't think for one second that the words of your mouth and the content of your heart are not important to God. Don't think for one second that God is not evaluating what's coming out of your lips. Don't think for one second that God is not evaluating what's really deep down inside of your heart. Because those things are crucial and critical to us being molded and developed to be the type disciples that God would desire for each one of us to be. Amen. And so we look at this uh, fourth chapter, very familiar passage scripture, the 35th verse. If you go back there with me, uh, we're going to see something here as we, you know, we talked about last week, we, we ended up here, but we had been talking about David and how David uh, stared down Goliath and David spoke faith filled words. David understood that he had covenant relationship with God and he understood that covenant meant something. God is a covenant keeping God. God ain't like some of us. Some of us, are t- some of us are lie if you look at a street. But God is not that he cannot lie. Can I get a witness? God cannot lie. And David understood that, that he had a covenant with God. And that uncircumcised Philistine didn't have covenant with God. So David spoke, David said what he was going to do, and guess what happened? What David said came to pass, right? Because David understood that the words of his mouth and the content of his heart, amen, resonates with God. And he spoke those words of truth, and it happened. So the text says here, and we looked at this Mark, the fourth chapter, the 35th verse. If you read along with them, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. The text says, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. 38 says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, what did they say? Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Look at the next verse. It says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. The next verse says, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no, do you still have, after all I've done for you, do you still have no faith? When I delivered you five years ago when you thought you were going down for the last time and you still have no faith. Look at verse 41. Let's read it. It says what? Uh, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Glory to God. Now, guys, as, as, as they got into this boat to go to the other side of the lake, one of the things we got to recognize is that Jesus, when you look back up in this first verse of this fourth chapter, the text says this, tells us, and I'm reading from the King James Version. Well, we, we go to NLT. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. The crowds were pressing in around him so that he needed a place to elevate himself so his voice could carry because they didn't have a PA system like we have today, right? So he got into the ship and literally... Jesus was teaching all day long. When you look at uh, this, the, the, the scripture text and you move on down to the 35th verse where we got to, he was telling parable after parable, instructing the people about the ways of the kingdom of God. And so if you preach all day long, you, you would think that at some point in time, your body will become fatigued. Even though he was the son of God, he was God, fully God, but yet he was also human. He was in human flesh. And guys, you know the human flesh gets tired, right? He was preaching all day long, teaching and sharing, and, and, and he got to the point to where he says, okay, it's time for us to leave. There were still crowds around him because these folks, amen, when Jesus taught as one under authority, they were not like some people who come to church today trying to figure out how long he's going to preach and when can I get out and beat somebody else to, to, to pick a dilly. Hello? 
They, they, they were not sitting there, come on, trying to figure out how long we're going to be in church. They were sitting there soaking up the master's lessons as he spoke parables to them guys. And, and so, so he, he had been teaching all day long. But I like, I like the way the KJV puts it here. Go, go back down to verse number 35 in this fourth chapter and we're going to keep moving here. Because this, this scenario is very interesting to me. He says here, he says, and the same day, and the same day we're doing all that teaching, when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Now, this is critical and this is key. In your Bible, I want you to underline that because these are the words of the master. These are the words of, of, of God himself in, wrapped in human flesh. And the master, Jesus, gives a statement. He says, let us. He didn't say me, but let us do what? Pass over unto the other side. Now, again, guys, we're going to see something here because these guys who he had called to be his followers, his disciples, who were working with him, many of them were commercial fishermen. And being commercial fishermen who had fished this lake before, they knew that this lake was predisposed to having enormous storms to rise up based on this location. Uh, uh, some historians say it was 600 feet below sea level and you had mountains on either side. And so you had those cold winds that would come and mix with the warm uh, air down below and then storms would just pop up just like that. But these commercial fishermen would not have been easily scared because of a thunderstorm, right? They had seen storms before. Amen? How many of y'all have had some storms in your life before? Amen. They, they, they had walked through this. They, as fishermen, they had been through these storms before. So a little thunderstorm wouldn't have scared them. But guys, this was different. This storm that rose up now was kind of like hurricane force winds. Amen. Rocking the boat. And so it, it, it was such a strong enough storm that they became afraid and terrified. And they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Uh, are our lives insignificant, so insignificant that you're going to stay asleep in the, in, the, in the hull of the ship while we, we getting battered and torn? And so we look at this thing here. We got to keep that in mind because what was the purpose of this experience, do you think? Let me ask y'all a question. Do y'all think Jesus knew that a storm was going to come? Absolutely. Absolutely. He knew that a storm was going to come. But you know what? Jesus knew that he only had a certain amount of time, Brother Craig, to, to, to walk with his disciples down here on earth. He knew that his time with them was limited, and so he had to bring them on this journey of discipleship so they would grow spiritually and they would learn how to speak the right things, say the right thing, pray the right things. And so he had to get them up to speed because he knew he was going to the cross of Calvary. So, so why was the storm allowed to rise on this sea with Jesus in the boat? Well, uh, again, look, look at verse 41 of, of this text. I believe that the answer is given in this 41st verse because uh, it caused them uh, to ask this question. It stirred his people to ask, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. Jesus, amen, here in this particular experience with his disciples proved once again that he is the Messiah. I don't know about you, but I love having a Savior who can speak to the wind and say, peace be still. I love having a Savior who can, who can step into the middle of my mess ups and come fix it up. Even when I don't deserve for him to fix it, he shows me mercy and grace. I don't know about you, but I've had some mercy and grace in my lifetime. Some stuff I did not deserve, but God stepped in right on time and fixed it up for me. I thank God I serve that kind of Savior. So when he's, 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 he's having to teach these guys, amen, calming the storm would do three things. You should have in your outline. Number one, it, it, it would demonstrate who he is. Everybody say, we need to know who he is. Because you, you can know about him, but you don't really know who somebody is until you spend some time with him, right? How many of y'all, how many of y'all, um, how many of y'all, and I, 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 somebody, somebody said, Pastor, you keep using marriage because I got to use it because it's, it's a very good example because God said that he used the marriage relationship to give us a picture, a tangible picture of how Christ connects and relates to his church. How many of y'all married somebody and you thought you really knew them until you lived with them? Yeah, 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 yeah
I mean, I mean you know, some stuff you thought you knew about them, but, and, and you thought that you thought you thought what you saw during the dating game was the real person, did you? Huh? And, 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 and it depends on how long you dated them, you know, but even if you date them for two or three years, it's something about when you sign the covenant. Seem like things seem to change a little bit when you're in covenant relationship. But, but, but you thought you knew them, but you really didn't know them until you spent time with them, until you lived with them, until you saw how they, how they act in the morning. <laughs> until you saw how they, how, how, they, how they respond when something don't go their way. While you were dating, come on guys, all of us, if we're honest about it, put our best foot forward. Didn't we? Put your best foot forward. You dressed your best. Come on. You didn't wear that bag on your head with them rolls in there. Come on now, when you were dating. Come on. Y'all, y'all, have y'all discovered that, that, that I have a little bit of a problem with that? Okay. <laughs> come on. You, 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 come on now. You, you all out in public with EBC t-shirt on, out in Kroger. With your, y'all don't, okay, let me, I, I learned that it is called a bonnet and not a bag on your head. But to me, it looks like a bag. But you didn't do that when you were dating because what? You wanted to put your best foot forward. Can I get a witness? You didn't really know that person until you really spent time with them. So what Jesus understands is that in order, in order for, for, for us it, it, to, to really get to know him, we got to spend time with him. And we got to spend time with him when, when things are not just going great. Can I get a witness? Because, you know, he, he, he allows this storm to come because it will demonstrate who he is. He's the sovereign Lord who has all power, even power over nature. Second thing it did was it, it, it would strengthen the belief of his followers. Amen. It would strengthen the belief of his followers, belief in him as the Messiah and in his personal care as their savior. That's what it would do. And third thing, it would give a picture of his care and power to deliver through the storms of life. Because I need to know. That in my trials and in my tests and in my in my scared experience, because all of us have those fearful experiences that come up, that rise up when those things happen. I need to know that Jesus cares. I need to know that he has power to deliver me through the middle of some of this stuff that I got to go through. Amen. It doesn't matter what the storm or the trial is, nor how terrifying it may be. Jesus is able to deliver and bring about peace. But the disciples needed to know that. They needed to, you know, they've been walking with him, but they, they hadn't got to the end of this three, three and a half year public ministry of Jesus. So he's having to teach them how to trust him. Now, what, watch this. Uh, uh, the text says here, if we go down to verse number 39, go to verse 39 with me right quick. Amen. 39 and 40. We're going to read that real quickly because we got to realize that part of our praying is it's making sure that our words and our the, the words of our mouth and the content of our heart are in line with God's uh, covenant word. Amen. So the text says, this, and he arose. Now watch this. And rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Amen. It was a great calm. But look at verse 40. Somebody would say, but pastor, you just told us it was hurricane force type winds. Wouldn't anybody in their right mind be afraid and scared during a hurricane of, 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 let's say it was a category five hurricane that was bearing down on them? Wouldn't you be afraid? Isn't it reasonable to expect that people would be afraid like these disciples? But now listen, fear, sudden fear will come, I told you. But the Bible tells us what? Be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it's come, because the Lord will be your comforter and the Lord will keep your feet from being taken. Are y'all listening to me today? Shouldn't shouldn't they have been afraid? Well, guess what? They had Jesus on board with him. And see, when you have Jesus on board with you and when you have his word that he'd already said, let us go to the other side. If he's with you and he says, let us go, guess what? Baby, you can bet your bottom dollar. If Jesus says we're going to go, we're going to go. But somewhere along the line, somewhere in their their thinking, they forgot what the master had told them. And that's what happens to us a lot of times, even in our prayer life, when we prayed about a thing, but when it starts to get a little shaky. 
See, when we first pray about it and, and things begin to go, we on that journey, we, we, we're a little bit happy because we, we believe at the time. But in the middle, I heard someone say one time, it's in the middle where the storms of life come. See, a lot of us start stuff and then we end stuff, but it's in the middle where the fight is. The fight of faith, fighting the good fight of faith in the middle. How many of y'all ever uh, uh, went to a Carnival Six Flags or Disney World or whatever and and got on a ride. And when you first got on that ride at Ferris wheel or whatever it is, you were excited when you first got on there, right? Until that thing goes up in there and does that. And all of a sudden, when you're in the middle of it, you're, oh, Jesus, get me out of here. You were excited before it started, but when we got in the middle of it, you were afraid and you were terrified. And many times in our own life, that's the way it is. We start out things, and then when we get in the middle of it, when it gets a little tough, when it gets a little shaky, the storms begin to rock and reel, and, and, and the boat starts to move. Many of us want to jump out of the ride. Now, how many of y'all know it, is not, it would not be in your best interest when you're on that Ferris wheel to unbuckle that safety uh, harness and jump out? Because how many of y'all have been on a ride? Let me out. No, you don't want to get out right there. <laughs> See it all the way through to completion. And that's what Jesus is trying to do with us. Just understand that sometimes in this life, even as a born again believer, we got to get to the point to where when we're in the middle of a storm, we still got to trust his word. Everybody say, got to trust his word. Jesus rebuked the disciples. Why? Well, well, it's vital to our future that we grow in faith. If Jesus allowed us to stay in fear and continued all of our lives to calm every storm for us without correcting us, we will never learn to press on to the other side. Because there, there, there are many people right now who are, who, who, are, who are members of the body of Christ, maybe members of this church, who don't know how to handle adversity. There are a lot of you all sitting here, listen to me right now, when adversity comes or when confrontation comes, you run, you hide. Don't look at me like that. Yeah, you run and you hide. You stop coming to church. You say, well, I ain't going to be around no more because I, I had conflict with them. Or I didn't agree with something they said, so I'm going to run and hide. I'm going to still look like I'm, I'm, I'm serving God and praising God. But on the inside, I, I, I got something going on that should not be going on because God is trying to help me to understand how to deal with people when I don't agree with people. Hello? So you run and hide. When you disagree, listen, if God told you to do a certain thing, if God told you to be a certain place, you should not let anybody have the power to take you off of the course that God has set you on. Why would you let somebody move you off of the course that you said God set you on? So we run and we hide. So God has to teach us how to 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 maneuver through the storm. If not, we won't ever get any better. One of the things that that must change about us is our response to the storms of life. How we respond. What are we saying when the storms come? What are we saying when, when our marriage gets a little rocky? Well, you know, I, I hate I did this. I want a divorce. You should never say that the first time you have an argument. The first time things aren't going a little well. The first time you have to go to a council session. Now you want a divorce? Without even trying to apply the word of God to your situation? Come on, people. Hello. So 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 we got to change our response to the storm. Like we must grow in self-control and and discipline of our tongue, our mouth. Amen. We can't tame the tongue without God's help, but neither will he do it all for us. We got to do something ourselves. So the last time a storm came to your life, I want to ask you a question. What were you saying? Were you doing like these disciples? Did you pray or did you start saying, you know, Lord, I thought that when I was saved and born again, believe it, I thought you were real, but now, God, I don't know. Lord, why me? My question is, why not you? We always want to know why me. And here's what I would tell you. When things happen in your life, know that it did not catch God by surprise. He sits high and they say he looks alone. He's a sovereign God. He knows everything that's going to transpire in your life. And guys, I believe that he had all of us born and he prepped us for such a time as this. So quit questioning why and then start trusting in the one who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Go with me to Hebrews 10, chapter, verse number 23, right? Hebrews 10, chapter, verse number 23. Go there right quick. 
Jesus rebuked the disciples. Because some of y'all were saying, well, why, why would he rebuke them? He said, do you still have no faith? You've been walking with me for a little while. And you've seen me do things. You heard my teaching, but you still have no faith. Some of y'all been members of the church for a long time. You got baptized when you were 12. You dedicated your life to the Lord at 23. And now you've been moving with God. You've been a part of a ministry being taught the word of God, but you still have no faith. Because faith don't come by coming to church. And you thought it was coming by coming to church. Lay hands on me. Yeah, I lay hands on you, but faith comes by hearing by so you spent no time in the word and you're not hearing the word. And so, you don't you're not seeing and experiencing faith and you're wondering why. Because somewhere in your little mind, you thought that I don't have to do it the way God said do it. I can just come to church whenever I feel like it. And I'm going to be walking in faith because I don't have to be in the church to be saved. And you're right. But if you are a growing Christian who is obedient to the Holy Scriptures, you will be in church. Notice what I said. If you are a growing Christian who is obedient to the Scripture and you can't be a growing Scripture, scripture, you can't be a growing Christian if you're not obedient to the Scripture. Be ye doers of the word and not what? Doing what? Receiving our own self. Now watch what the text says here. Hebrews 10, 23. It says, let us Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is what? He is faithful that promise. Let us hold fast the what? The profession or the confession of our faith. So what are you saying with your mouth? Did you say we're going to get on to the other side of this thing? Are we going to the other side of the disciples? Or like Jesus said, are you going to say, well, it's a storm coming and we're not going to make it? What did they say? They say, we're going to drown. You don't care, Jesus, that we're going to drown? So all of a sudden, they forgot that the master said, let us go to the other side. They start doing like a lot of us do. When we get in the middle of a storm, we, we forget about our confession of faith. We forget about the fact that we said just last Sunday that God is able to do exceeding the abundance above all, all I can ask you think. God is going to see me through this because I, I, I sowed, I, I blessed uh, the, the, the ministry with my tithes and my offering. And God said he's going to rebuke the revival for my sake. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I trust that he is going to do it. And I'm not going to sit up at night worrying about how he's going to do it. I just know that he is going to do it. And I may not know when he's going to do it, but I know he is going to do it. And because I know he is going to do it, I got confidence and trust that, that I'm, everything's going to be all right. So if I got confidence and trust that everything's going to be all right, why am I staying up all night worrying? See, our faith and our profession and our confession have to be in concert. And the only way it's going to be in concert is I got to know what God's word says. And I've got to begin to speak that even in the middle of the storm, even when it doesn't look good, even when it when it looks like, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, my last hope is gone. I still got hope. I'm like Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope that he would become the father of many nations. Amen. Who, 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 who because of his biological position of being uh, 100 years old, amen, didn't seem like he was the one, uh, the candidate to have a child with a woman who's 90 years old. Didn't make sense. But guess what? He had a word from God. When you have a word from God, it does not have to make sense to the natural man. It don't have to make sense to, to, to scientists and in, intelligent folks because God would choose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Why does he do that? So he can, so that he can get the glory. No, no flesh can glory in his presence. So he said, let us hold fast profession of our faith without waving, for he is faithful that what? Promise. Amen. See, it's not enough to, to be positive and speak faith when all our circumstances are positive. It's time to cross over to the other side. Time to come up higher, EBC. Amen. It's time for us to hold fast our confession of faith and ride out the storms. Amen. Knowing that God has his eye on everything including us and the storm. God has his eye on us even while we're in the storms of life. Now, there's some tough things that can happen in life, which y'all agree. Death of a loved one, come on. Uh, sickness in their body, financial ruin, uh, kids away, whatever the storm may be, storms happen. 
The Bible says this, it rains on the just as well as the unjust. So because it's raining over your house right now, don't mean that God picking on you. It just means that that's a part of life. That's part of living in a fallen world. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. But the difference in us and somebody who doesn't have covenant with God is that we know he's going to see us through the storm. Jesus, again, if you look at his life, he was subject to the same pressures and temptations that we are. And yet he always stayed the same. I like what Hebrews 13 and 8 says. Go Flip that with me right quick. Hebrews 13 and 8. Watch what it says about Jesus. Because if we're honest about it, there are some people who we are in relationship with that they are real fickle. How many of y'all out there sometime me? Have y'all ever heard that term before? Sometime me. Wishy-washy. Oh, no, no. How many of y'all out there moody? Any of y'all moody? Some days you're smiling, you're happy. The other day you look like you, like you swallowed a goat or something. I don't know. You're looking all crazy and mean. <laughs> look at what Jesus, the Bible says about Jesus. He says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. If he cared about his disciples, he cares about us. We are his followers, amen. We became believers as a result of the testimony of the disciples. So if he cared about the disciples in the middle of that storm, guess what? He cares about you in the middle of your storm. So stop being wishy-washy. Stop being moody. Stop being up and down and level to the ground. Let's be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, amen. See, see, he had Jesus, even when he went through storm, had to discipline his mouth and conversation during the storms of life. And we got to do the very same thing, guys. Amen. Control of the tongue is a sign of maturity. Go back to James 1 and 26. If you're around people who don't know how to control their mouth, that's a sign of immaturity. If you're around people who gossip and tell and talk about other folks to you, guess what? They'll talk about you to other folks. Are y'all listening to me? While you sit up there uh, taking all that stuff in, in listen, I, I said before, what's, what stinks more, the garbage or the garbage can? Yeah, 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 both of them stink very bad because if, if once the trash truck comes on Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever it comes, when they dump that trash, go out there and smell your trash can and see what it smells like. Just as stinking as if, if it had garbage in it. So the one who's receiving the garbage stinks just as bad as the one who's giving the garbage. So stop taking garbage in. Stop taking gossip in. Innuendo. Stuff that even if it is true, it ought not be repeated. Even if I know it's true, I ought to cover you. Assuming that you're trying to get out of it. I'm not talking about covering you. You got your lady on the other side of town and I ain't saying that because, you know, I don't want to be in the middle of it. No, you're a member of this church. You're a member of the deacon board. If you got a woman across town and I know it, I need to come and talk to you about it. I'm looking out there. Hello? And here's what some of y'all will do with your, with your supposed to be spiritual self. Well, you know, I ain't in that. What do you mean you're not in that? They're a member of your church. They serve with you in the choir. They, they, they come to brotherhood with you and you know that they're falling and they, they're in sin. You have a responsibility as a believer. Say, listen, brother. Now, listen, man, I love you. And, 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 and this ain't going to call us to, to, to fall out. But you know what? You, you can't keep doing that. And I know about it. And I'm not saying anything about it. Because if I do, if I don't say anything about it, then God's going to hold me responsible. Because I am my brother's keeper. Do you not know God holds you responsible for how you deal in, in, in those interpersonal relationships with other believers who you're in covenant relationship with? Why is it getting quiet when I talk about the man with the woman on the other side of town? Now, 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 I hope, I hope, I just, I just, uh, uh, come on now. Come on now. If you got, some of y'all say she ain't on the other side of town, she's around the corner. And somebody says she ain't around the corner, she's in the same church. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) 
we have a responsibility to speak gospel truth. Not that we're any better than anybody, but the Bible says if there is open sin, you got to rebuke it. Amen? That's, that's why some of our churches aren't any better because we feel like because I'm not perfect, I can't say nothing. No, none of us are perfect, but guess what? I got, if, I'm going to make sure I ain't doing the same thing you're doing. All right, but I, but, but when we when I come to you in love, can I give y'all some Bible on that? Can I give y'all Bible? Go to Galatians six right quick. We, we coming back here. We go to Galatians six and one. This, this is what the Bible says. Okay, I want to I want to show you what the scripture says. And how we ought to how do you ought to respond to that? Because see, some of y'all some of y'all's theology is messed up. Some of y'all don't even have no theology. You just got you got uh, bentonism, whatever you come from. You <laughs> haltonism. <laughs> You just think of stuff because of what you've heard coming up and because of what your family said. How many ladies your mama told you, baby? Don't depend on no man. You make sure you make your own money because if he mess up, he cut up, you can can survive. Now listen, I I can understand kind of what mama was saying. But you know what? When you're in a covenant relationship, you need to be able to trust the person who you're in covenant relationship with. To help take care of you. Hello. And some of y'all have been advised by your mama. <laughs> you better learn how to control that man. Okay, that's enough of that. Okay. Can we move right along? Watch this. Watch what the word says. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Now, overtaken implies that this brother has failed. Now, it's talking about man. It's, it's, it's a general term that man, female, or, or, or male. But if that person is overtaken in a fault. In other words, it, 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 it wasn't like he just... It was a practicing lifestyle. Something he was over there. He fell into it, and he's remorseful about it. He says, "If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, do what? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. How am I going to restore you if I don't ever say anything to you? How am I going to restore you if I don't say anything to you? Because if you are overtaken in a fault and offer me to restore you, that means I have to know that you've overtaken in a fault." Right? And, I, and I'm wise enough to know that most Christians that are sitting here right now won't ever tell anything, anybody anything about what they, where they messed up. We're we, we going to our grave with it, aren't we? Well, you know, it'd be a cold day in hell before I say anything. You better watch what you're saying now. Because you keep living that way, it may be a hot day in hell. Are you with me? If a man be overtaken the fault, he with the spirit of restores to one in the spirit of meekness, consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted and fall into the same thing they're into. So when I, when I say we have a responsibility to go to our brother or sister and share with them, the way in which we go and share it should be a spirit of meekness, not in a spirit of condemnation. Here's what I believe. I believe that more people aren't getting delivered in the body because they're afraid to share with somebody because they think the church is going to condemn them and crucify them. And we are, the church is bad about crucifying our wounded. Let me say it again. We're bad about crucifying our wounded. And we got to get better at that. We got to restore people. Now, I'm talking about somebody who's truly remorseful. Some folks, and even some of y'all are here, just, you're just doing your thing. You ain't caring who knows that you're doing your thing. You're going to keep doing your thing, and you don't care what the Bible say. You don't care what that pastor say, because you and your stuff, and you like your stuff. I'm not talking about you. You probably need to be put out of the church. Come on. I got Bible to back that up, too, because Paul told him in the Corinthian church when that boy was sleeping with his stepmama and nobody wasn't saying anything about it. He was open with it. Amen. Just challenging him to say anything about it. He said, put him out. 
That's what he said. What was the purpose? Put him out. Not that we're any better than him. But if you don't say anything about that egregious sin that is known to everybody, then they will keep on doing that egregious sin that's known to everybody. And it ruins the testimony of the church. So Paul said, put him out. Put him out. Disfellowship. What was the purpose? You disfellowship so that hopefully it will cause that individual to think about what they're doing and repent. And the moment that they repent and say, listen, I messed up. I'm sorry. I know it's wrong. Then you bring them back into the fold. You don't keep them out there because it's all about restoration. Church discipline has always been about restoration. It's about restoring. Hello? All right. So get back to James, right? So, so, so we, we ought to, to go to a brother in the spirit of meekness. We have a responsibility. I got to keep moving. Lord, my time is going. Control of the tongue is a sign of maturity. It's, it's, it is one way that we glorify God. Watch this. Watch this. If any man among you seem to be religious and browleth not his tongue, but deceive it, what? I said we talk about the words of our mouth and the contents of our heart. Watch this. If any man among you seem to be religious and bride not his tongue, but deceive in his own heart, this man religious is what? It's vain. It's empty. Right? Go to the, uh, the New Living Translation on, on verse number 26. Let me right quick. Hurry. Thank you, Jesus. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Now look at what he says. Your religion is worthless. I didn't make this up. It's right there in the scripture. That's why I said the words of your mouth and the content of your heart are critically important in your discipleship process. If you can't control your tongue, he says you fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. I didn't make that up. It's right there. So all the people who can't control their tongue say whatever comes out of your mouth. Don't care what you say, how you say it, who you say it to. Your religion, the text says, is worthless. But, but Pastor, I teach Sunday school. I don't care. He says your religion is worthless. So what does that tell me? That tells me that God is concerned about what's coming out of our mouth in our prayer life and in our everyday conversations. During the storms of life, if we don't bridle the tongue, we may never experience deliverance. The Holy Spirit will be our bridle if we accept his leadership and guidance. Go with me to James 3, verse 3 through 5. Are y'all still walking with me? See, all the loudmouth folks who say everything they want to say, anytime they want to say it, they don't got quiet on me now. Because who, who you are to judge me. I just always been a talker. My mama said I was a talker when I was a baby. I'm just telling you. Listen. listen. He, he said, if you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. Didn't make it up. It's in the word. Y'all saw it, didn't you? And it was contextually correct in the way I exegeted that text. If I do say so myself. <laughs> Watch this. We can make a large horse, horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Carl, you can back me up on this catch. This is Bible. Any horse riders out there? Any trail riders in the house? Come on now. He says, well, he says we can make a large horse, a big, you, you can have a big Clydesdale if you want to ride it. You put that bit in that Clydesdale's mouth, that powerful horse will go in the direction that that bit turns it in. Okay? Small bit in its mouth. Look at the next verse. Read, read. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn Wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Verse five, let's read. In the same way, it's like the bit in the horse's mouth and the little rut on the ship. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire and our tongues can mess some stuff up. These scriptures indicate that the tongue gives direction to all of the rest of our life. Amen. All, every other aspect of our life, it gives direction to the tongue. is such a small member of the body, but it can accomplish major things. Now, it would be great if they were all good things, but they're not. Amen. It's relationships are ruined by the tongue. 
People are emotionally wounded by someone else's tongue. People lose their jobs because they couldn't control their tongue. Families are torn apart because somebody's mouth was not under the control of the Holy Spirit. Go to Psalms 32 with me, verse 9. Come on, we got, we got to read. We got to keep moving. Psalm 32, verse number 9. Hallelujah. The disciples in the midst of the psalm forgot that the master said, let's go to the other side. They forgot that they had, or maybe they didn't fully grasp who they were riding with. See, some of us are here in the church today, we don't fully grasp who this Jesus is that we're preaching about. Because if the Jesus who you serve did not have the power to prick your heart, amen, for you to change direction, amen, and go, go, go toward God rather than running from God, then maybe you don't fully appreciate who this Jesus is. Look at what the text says, okay? Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Is that what it says? Come on, can we read that out loud on purpose? Ready? Let's read. Keep it under control. In other words, he says, don't be like that horse that got to have a bridle or a bit in his mouth. Because, Carl, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm thinking about this correctly, uh, in, when you pull that rein, that bit, uh, it, it causes you want to go one direction. Uh, you, 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 you pull that thing so that the bit causes a little bit of pain that, it, that keeps the horse from going that direction. Help me now, Carl. You got to help me now. What? It putting pressure on it. All right, so when that pressure gets on it, he, he gets away from the pressure. So if the pressure on it, if I want him to go over here, I put the pressure over here, right? He goes opposite the pressure. Y'all got that? Some of y'all, God's got to put a bit in your mouth. <laughs> because unless pressure comes, y'all, you know you better than I know you. Unless pressure comes, unless some, some, some force, amen, pushes against you, you won't do what God told you to do. So God said, okay, you won't pray. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to allow some stuff to come in your life. I'm not sending it, but I'm going to allow it because the devil is always trying to get you. I, I've had a hedge of protection around you, but because you won't listen to what I got to say, I'm going to bring some pressure to cause you to come to me. Yeah. Oh, brother pastor, that, 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 that's not theologically correct. I beg the difference. You go back and read the book of Judges and see how many times God allowed some stuff to come into the life of his people when they forgot about him. Time and time again, they, he would deliver them from, from, from oppression. And then as soon as they get back on their feet, they praise God for a little while. Then they go back to doing the same thing they were already doing. And what God would do, God would allow enemy nations to come in, put pressure on them. Listen to me, guys. A horse either follows the pull of the bridle, which controls the bit in his mouth, or he experiences that pressure of pain. And it's actually the same way with us in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's our bridle and the bit in our mouth. He should be controlling the reins of our life. If we follow his promptings, we will end up at the right place and stay out of all the wrong places. But if we don't follow him, we're going to end up in a lot of pain. What the words of the Go to Isaiah 15 and 4. Because what God is trying to do, even as we look at this context, of the scripture that we read about the, going to the other side. He's trying to position his disciples to be ready to carry on the work of ministry. And a disciple has to, if he's really going to be what God wants him to be, it's not like even to be a disciple, there are certain things that got to be a part of, of, of your walk with God. Jesus told us to go and make disciples, not church members. Oh, y'all listen to me. He told us to go and make disciples, not church members. I know some pastors who the only thing they're concerned about is having the church full. When you ask them, you know, and, and people will do this. If you go around, you'll be around preaching long enough. They have what we call a bragging number and the actual number. The bragging number is how many you got, Doc? Oh, brother, we wanted about 500 on the Sunday. Really, that's probably about 250 at the most. Because somewhere in the back of our minds, we've equated large numbers with success in ministry. And so, 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 so we, 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 we got to get to the point to where we are more concerned about making disciples than we are getting church members. 
Now, hopefully they work hand in hand. Because as you become disciple, as you become committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you go about trying to share Christ with others. And because you got relationship with people, you share Christ with them. They see the love of God in you rather than the hell in you. Then now they want the God in you. Are you following me? I said they see the God in you rather than the hell in you. And that's attractive. That's in, that the, the love of God is intoxicating. The love of God, the agape love of God, the unconditional love, amen, draws people. Can I get a witness? Watch what the text says here in Isaiah uh, 50 and verse 4. I put it on your, on your sheet there. I'm going to read it to you from the amplified version of the Bible. It's on your sheet. It says, the Lord has given me the tongue of disciples. This is Isaiah the prophet. That I may know how to sustain the weary with the word. Notice what he says. That I may know how to sustain the weary with a word that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Words, the word has power to transform a depressed person's life. Watch this, watch this. He says this, watch this, look at this. He says that I may know how to sustain the weary with the word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. As one who is taught. Amen. See, we all need to train ourselves to keep our inner ear tuned to God. Because if you don't train yourself to keep your inner ear tuned to God, your spirit man tuned to God, you'll start listening to your five senses. Right. What do we, what do we say? Our thoughts come from what? Our, the, the, the sensory realm, our five senses. It could come from the devil or it can come from God. All right. And we, so you got to discern what's, what's controlling your thought. Some stuff you automatically know it, it ain't God. Right. It would be not be God if you sit there thinking right now, what if I just get up and write that door button? They can pull all my clothes off. That would not be God. That would not be God. That's either the devil or something in your in your sensory mechanism has gone off course. Which y'all agree. All right. So so some things are easily discernible whether or not it's God or not. But some things are a little bit tougher. So that's why we got to stay tuned to God's word and allow him to control our thought life. The definition of disciple, the Greek word translated disciple, y'all should have in your outline, in the New Testament essentially means learner. It refers to a student who follows the teachings, the behaviors, and practices of another person so closely. Hear me carefully now. So closely, so intensely that the student becomes a clone of the teacher. Watch this. Now notice, Jesus, when he left here, told us to go and do what? Make church members? No. He said, go and what? Make disciples. What is a disciple? He's a learner. I want to ask you the question. When was the last time you tried to learn something about God? When was the last time you really broke bread with the master and sat down in your quiet place and said, God, teach me? When was the last time you came to a corporate study group or a small group and sat down and said, I want to learn what this lesson is truly all about and how I apply it to my life. A disciple is a learner. He's a student who follows the teachings, the behavior and practices of another person so closely, so intensely that the students become a clone of the teacher. Now, Jesus Christ is our ultimate teacher, right? I will never ask you to follow me. I'll ask you to follow me as I follow Christ. If you follow me as I follow Christ. So if I fall, you don't fall because you follow me as I follow Christ. Right. And so 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 Jesus is our ultimate teacher. So we, we, we should be clones of him. Real quickly. Go with me. Uh, uh, first thing I want you to look at a, a disciple. If you're going to be a disciple and you, if you're going to be one who who, um, who who guards his mouth and and, 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 and is, is 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 critical. Concerned about the content of the heart, the first thing we got to do is, as a disciple, we must guard our heart. Go with me right quick to Proverbs 4.23. Now, start at 4 and 20, right quick, 4 and 20. Y'all still with me? Proverbs 4, verse number 20. We're going to do two of these, and we'll come back next week and get the other, other four. How about that? Is that okay? Is that okay? Yes, now, I could do like Jesus did in Matthew 4, Mark 4. So I've been preaching all day long. And then I get on the ship and go back to my house. I get in this, in this Yukon and go back. No, but I'm not going to do, do you like that, okay? 
Because I know some of y'all are not conditioned right now to, to, to listen to a 50 minute message. Some of y'all are used to a 20 minute message. And so right now you're squirming in your seat because you don't have, you have the patience of a two year old. Because your brain has been, been trained to go from one thing to the next because of all these gadgets that you continue to. How many of y'all would go through withdrawal simply if you didn't have your phone or your tablet? You don't have to raise your hand, but I know some of y'all would just be like a crack. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That wasn't nice, was it? Watch the text. Can we read the text? My child, pay attention to what I say. Watch this. Listen carefully to what? I said a, a disciple must guard his heart. Watch this. In, Proverbs, in this proverb, we're going to see Solomon, he's referring to guarding the heart here. We're going to see that. We'll get down to verse number 23. Listen carefully to my words. Verse 21. Let's read. It says what? Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Let my words do what? Penetrate deep into your heart. I told you when we started off, the words of our mouths and the contents of our heart are critically important to God. Because he knows that if the words of our mouth and the content of our heart are not lined up with his covenant word, we won't, we won't be able to grow and be prosperous and be a disciple who's cloning his behavior, his attitude, his words. I told you when we first started about praying that God has given us the power as mankind. He created us so that we can create, we can develop. He gave us words to speak. He spoke words and things came into existence. He said, let there be light and light came because he spoke the word. And he made us out of similar fashion. We were made in his image and his likeness and he gave us the ability to speak. The problem is we're saying the wrong stuff. And we ought to be creating. We ought to be speaking faith-filled words to call those things which be not as though they already are. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Verse number 22, let's read. For they bring what? See, God is saying... As Solomon writes here under the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, he says, God's word, they bring what life to those that find them and healing to their whole body. The word of God produces life and it produces healing. But what did he, what did he say? Back up, back up, back up. If you go, go back, he says, don't lose sight of them. See, when you're in a storm, sometimes you'll lose sight of God's word. That's what happened to the disciples, guys. They were in the ship going across the lake. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. But they lost sight of those words. And what did they say? Master, don't you care that we about to die? I can imagine. Sometimes people don't say everything they think, but I can imagine. This is me using my spiritual imagination. The Bible didn't say this. But but I I can imagine some of them disciples going, ain't this a trip? Here you, Jesus, you sitting here sleeping, and, and, we, and we, we's about to die. What's wrong with you, Jesus? That's kind of what they were saying, but it, the Bible didn't quite put it that way, so don't go away and say, I, I made something up. But, but they said, Master, cares thou not that we perish? Well, of course Jesus cared, because he said we're going to the other side. If he says we're going, we're going, right? Come on, 22, let's go back. Says, for, they, for, they, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. 23, let's read. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. He told us to, 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 to bear his word where? Deep in our heart. Thy word, the psalmist said, have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. See, listen to me carefully. When Solomon refers to God in the heart, he really means the inner core of a person, the totality of our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, our will, and our choices. You need, to, you need to make sure you get that. When he talks about the heart, he's talking about the totality of our thoughts, our desires, our feelings, our will, and our choices. Y'all got that? The heart, the totality of our thoughts, our feelings, 
our desires, our will, and our choices. That's what makes us who we are, guys. Where are your words coming from? That's the question I want to know. Keep reading. Let's go. Next, next, it says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from what? Avoid all what? Perverse thoughts. Avoid all what? Perverse talk. In other words, that, that talk that, 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 that's, that's not godly, that's not God-honoring, you know, that's, that's negative, that's nasty, that's dirty. Avoid all personal, avoid dirty jokes. Quit laughing at dirty jokes, you Christian. Hello? Stay away from what? Corrupt speech. Stay away from the gossipy stuff and the corrupt speech. Look at the next verse. Let's go. Come on. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. 26 to 27. Let's go. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Now, he told us to hide his, his word. Where? Where's our, where, where, should I, where should his word be hidden? What is, what is the heart? The totality of our what? Our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, our will, and our choices. That makes up the heart, the real you. Amen? Now, now uh, five, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, we're going to stop on this, okay? And, and, and understand this, that 24th verse tells us how to control our life. Oh, that fourth chapter, that 24th verse tells us how to control our life. It says, put the word of God into your heart because that's where our life is coming from. Out of the, out of the heart flows the issues of life. So if I got word in my heart, Alia, if I got word in my heart and, and I, I fill my heart with his word, those thoughts that would control the words of my mouth don't have a place to land in my heart. Because out of the abundance of my heart, the Bible says the mouth does what speak. But if my, if my heart is full of word, when that junk comes, it has no place to go. It may come, but I can capture it because it won't get down in my heart. Why I want to get down in my heart? Because it's full of word. But if my heart ain't full of word, man, all that stuff will go to my head and down in my heart. Then it come bubbling out of my mouth. Because out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will do what? Speak. And the words of my mouth... And the content of my heart is going to determine what kind of disciple I'm going to be. What kind of prayer life I'm going to have. Watch this. Watch this. Over and over again, the Bible talks about this. Listen, listen. In, in these two verses, the Bible is saying, use the word to keep your heart. Feed your hearts. Because as you feed your heart, you're going to see your words changing, your language changing. You're going to be speaking life instead of death. Watch this. My son, watch this. Can we read out loud on purpose as we close? Pay attention to my wisdom. God's word is his wisdom. Pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Verse two, come on. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. Back up verse one, verse two, we're going to close on this. Because as a disciple, you got to guard your heart. First thing you do is got to guard your heart. Pay attention to my wisdom. Y'all with me? And listen carefully to my wise counsel. This is God talking as Solomon writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Then you will show discernment. Discernment is the ability to be able to, to choose right. Because there's a lot of folks who keep choosing wrong. Come on. Let me tell you something. Choosing wrong over and over again can have dire consequences. Now, I'm not picking on anybody here, but if you've been married six times, you need some discernment. Because you married six times and it ain't all the other person's fault. Somebody is not knowing how to choose. If you keep on filing bankruptcy, come on, anybody can fall into a hard time. Anybody can have a medical emergency, lose a job. But, but every three years you file bankruptcy, you need some discernment. You got to stop spending more than you make. Hello? 
Okay, one time, okay. But you don't did it three or four times. You need some word in your heart because then when you get word in your heart, when you pay attention to the, to the Lord's wisdom in the Bible, then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. You go around to your baby, hey man, I've been there before. I know what you're talking about. I, I've, I've had those troubles, financial trouble. But you know what? I went to the class. I went to my financial counselor. I, and you know what I did? I actually did what they told me to do. And when I did what they told me to do, voila, now I'm free. I say this because there are people who will go and listen to advice and won't do the advice they've been given. And many of y'all sitting out there right now, maybe it's not in finances, but maybe it has to do with your, with your health. You go to your doctor, get you a checkup every year. What does he tell you every year? Oh, you, brother, dog, you, you, look, you look heavy there now. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put as a part of your, your regimen to exercise and diet. And what do you do? You go out there and run, walk one day and eat a salad one day. And next day, next day, next day I come by and you in line at Southern Classic. <laughs> line all the way around the building. There your car is right there at Southern Classic. Everybody, everybody said no discernment. You need to come to this health and wellness symposium that we're going to be a part of to change the way you do things. We're some hard-headed folks. We want to do the same thing that we've always done it and expect different results. That classifies as a fool. And I'm out of time. I just call y'all fools and I'm out of time. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.